Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let all of you know that tomorrow, Saturday, October 14th at 10 a.m., Aubrey and I will be grabbing coffee at the Phil's truck in Marina Green in San Francisco, and we would love for any of you to come, say hello, bring your books, we can hug, we can take a photo. I'm visiting Aubrey this weekend, and we wanted to do a little something so that the So Much To Say community could you know, maybe meet each other or meet us and we could say thank you and hear what you loved about the book so far as we, you know, near the end of this limited series. So if you are interested at your local or you want to come, we will be once again at the Phil's truck in Marina Green tomorrow, October 14th. And we'll be there for like an hour and we hope to see some of you there. So yay, just wanted to say that. Anyways, let's get into today's episode, which is quite the ride. I'm Vic. And I'm Obs. And we have so, so much to say. About what though? Life, meaning, purpose, trying to figure out all of this super complicated stuff about what it means to be alive. That's deep. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it will be easier because we're doing it together. True. Each week, we're reading one chapter of Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, and then recapping what we learned right here on this podcast. So it's kind of like a book club. Kind of. This is going to be so much fun. We love this book and hope you do too. Get ready to awaken to your life's purpose with us. Let's get started because we have so, so much, much to, to say. say. Okay, we're going. Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is going to be the longest episode ever, partly because of the chapter itself. But partly because I also have so many things to update you on in my life. I'm so excited. That's what I'm most excited for. <laughs> Can I hear? <laughs> Literally, I have so much to say. It's not even funny. And that's where oh I just, God. like, I feel like it sounds annoying every time we say that. But that's why we named it the podcast. No, I'm so excited because one, this chapter was my favorite chapter yet. And then two, I had a freaking ego blow up. Like, Oh my gosh, me too. You did? No, I I literally had... The worst emotional week I've had in a while. I, I have so much to wait, assess with you. Same. What was really? in the air? Yes. Okay. Wait. I can't wait to hear. Wait. All also, about this. just to, we're in person. So yeah. we're in person. This we both had better. terrible ego weeks, and this is the best chapter ever. Okay. This is great. <laughs> and wait, what was I going to make? I was going to make a joke about this chapter. Um. Oh, my joke was that like I literally feel like 
I thought I was learning a lot, but after reading this chapter, he was only giving us like level four energy. We literally, after reading this chapter, I was like, I need to keep reading this chapter over and over again. He threw, this is like dialed the F up. It's almost like he's like, oh, I'm getting close to the end of the book. Here's all this stuff I forgot to Shoot, I should probably mention this now that we're 185 pages in. Oh my gosh. It was, it was so dense. I, I've only read it once this chapter. I feel like I almost feel like I wish I read it five times before we even talked about it because there's more, but I'm not putting a time limit on this episode. So it ends up being two hours, it ends up being two four. Yeah. Just record the rest of our night. Okay. So I actually took notes on my phone about like life things I want to tell you about. Okay. Let me hear. Wait, do you want to go first? No. Okay. (laughs) You're like, I don't really think I have a choice, Vic. (laughs) Wait, do you want to go first? I already have my phone pulled up and the notes up. (laughs) Oh, God, that's rich. Okay, so I'll go first if you insist. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Please, please, I wouldn't dare. I'm dead. All right, so when I was at the lake in Idaho with Max's family, I had no service and... I, I felt like I was so aligned with everything that we've been learning. Like I felt the oneness. You know how he talks about like you're one with the yes. universe. I felt the oneness. And then I came back and the first day or two, I still felt like I had it. Like I even remember one day sitting in traffic and my mind started racing about something. And I literally thought back to the present moment. And it was like, it all just disappeared. And I was like, present and then I wrote down this note of like before doing the work we've done in this book when people would say like get into the present moment get into the present moment like in the very first episode when I said I look at a flower and I'm like okay when's this over yeah because I don't think I had the access point or the ability or the reps or like enough understanding to actually be in the present moment does that make sense? Like when people say get into the present moment, but you don't know what it is or how to be in it, like you can't. I completely agree. You can conceptually be like, I know what that means, like be here now, but you can't actually do it. I felt like I didn't understand it until this chapter. Like I think this chapter was such an unlock for me. Yeah. Like finding space for every moment, moment, finding the beauty in every moment, whether it's good or bad. This chapter unclicked that for me. I love it. I, no, I feel like he really did go hard and like what this means. I'm yes. like, this would have been nice to start with. I know. I'm like, we have <laughs> put a prelude. What do you call that? <laughs> right. Just kind of, did he have to warm us up first? <laughs> I know. But I don't know. For some reason, like last week, I had the ability. And then this week, thing after thing started happening. I didn't pick up the book at all. Um, so I'll say that. Like, I I read the entire chapter today. <laughs> And, and I read the entire chapter yesterday night. So, and I'm starting to realize I need to open and look at this book and read some of it like every day. I completely agree. I felt like this, this chapter had me crying in the airport. Like oh I, was, I, I was, I cried too. You did too. I did. Yeah. It was almost just like when you're like, okay, I can just let go. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. It felt like so freeing. That's yes. the word I used to describe it. Fully. What in your week was like piling up that like I I did this thing one night and someone uh, didn't act in a way I wanted them or expected them to act and it really bothered me also something I want to say which I'm I feel bad for everyone listening that I'm saying this on chapter seven but I've been thinking about this it's unfortunate that we can't really 
unpack all of our trauma, like give concrete examples, name names. Like when I kind of listen to some of our episodes, we are giving like decently every day not surface level, but I used the word vapid. Like when I was listening back to episode three, I was like, really, I'm talking about my nails. But it's like, that's the example I can give without like fully pointing at it's uh, pointing at other people. Yes. And that's that's I think what I'm trying to hit on is like another thing that happened this week is I was watching a show and there was a scene and I was really triggered And it put me into the place like this scene was triggering in a way that it reminded me of an exact moment in my life that is trauma for me. And I, from watching it, like refelt the feelings as if the trauma for me had happened yesterday when it was something that happened a while ago. I, of course, do I wish I could get nitty gritty about what this trauma is? Yes, but I can't because it doesn't only involve me, you know? So that's the other thing is like, of course, I wish we could be 100% transparent. Yeah. And you know what? I had this conversation with my therapist yesterday because I was like, it's this really weird disconnect where my values and my morals are be real and be honest. And I try to do that online. But there is a limit where I can't actually be 100% real and honest when it comes to situations that involve other people. Yeah. And that's, but that's hard for me because, you know. Well, you're respecting their privacy. Even when you texted me today and you're like, can I post our texts in yeah. VIPs? I'm trying to be better about that. Stuff. I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can absolutely expose me. You never but, have to ask me twice. <laughs> I love that. But there are obviously, like, we, and I feel I'm so proud of you and moved by how open you've been about, you know, your dad and I'm so glad that you're able to share that openly and feel really good about it and I wish that you know both of us could dive deep but we're doing our best I don't even know how I started this but I think I was gonna say like one of the things that happened this week there were a few things that like I can't I can't share um but it rocked me and it it I cried I've cried multiple times this week and then one of the nights I didn't even know what it was about it was like I was just laying there in bed Max is asleep I feel like tears are streaming down my face. It's just dead silent. And I'm like, I have to do this. I have to do that. I feel shit about this, this person, that like, it was like, I was watching myself compound everything and I couldn't break it. And I almost felt like, then I was so mad at myself. Like I lost it. I was like, I lost the presence. I lost the ability to do it. I I kept trying to transport and I couldn't. Yeah. And it's also just that feeling of silence in bed when you're like that's when it's the worst for me because all you have is that ego voice and you you know what I mean yeah. like there's nothing else there's no other noise you can't like get up and go and walk or you know especially when you have Max sleeping next to you like turn on the lights move Wood does this he'll like if he gets in a bad headspace he like gets up out of bed and like walks around the apartment that's like, funny see I just try to pretend it's not happening I'm like if I get up and go do something like we're buying in and it's gonna be a, a thing now <laughs> I'm like, the more I lay here, the more I might fall asleep from nausea, just from (laughs) literally exhausting myself Um, fully. So anyways, I'm almost to the end of my story and then I'll pass it to you. But um, I, even this morning, just was not feeling like my best self. And I even, I noticed like I'm moving fast. I'm moving fast. And there's a part in this chapter we'll talk about where it talks about being slow, which I loved. You know, I was early to therapy yesterday because it's like I'm moving too quickly. I'm rushing out the door. I think I'm late. I get there. It's not for 30 minutes because I didn't slow down to just 
actually look at the number I wrote in my calendar. It's yeah. like I skimmed it. And then I got on a call this morning with someone and I was like, hi, I was like, morning. I was like, sorry, I'm like so unwell, my face. my." And then after I said that, I'm like, why, why are you moving so fast? Just take a deep breath and say, hi, how are you? Wait, that's so funny. The same thing happened to me. I was like walking to a tour and I, I, I see my client walking towards me that I was running into and I was already running late. And then I, I found myself like sidestepping past her as she was clearly trying, trying to talk to me. And I was like, why did you do that? Like you couldn't have taken the extra like two seconds to like stay and be present in that moment. Like, why are you always moving? It's interesting that you were trying to almost avoid. And I was like going in way too hard. Yeah. So it's like the happy medium. I know. I just think I have, I can have very skittish, anxious, fast energy. And it's when I start to be klutzy and I start to, it's when I'm very out of alignment and it can come off as really fun and quirky and entertaining and bubbly, but you know, so anyways, then I sat down to read the chapter and I swear I feel like I was cured. We, (laughs) I felt the same way. It was funny. I started reading it on the airplane and I was like in such a good headspace. Like I'm looking around, you know, when you like kind of are reading it and you're looking around the world with like rose colored glasses and you feel it. And then like, ding, ding, seatbelt sign goes off and I'm like hustling to pull my bag down and running off the airport. I'm looking at my phone. And then again, I was early. So I like sat back down and read 10 more pages and I was like back in that peaceful headspace and just, I, like, I know why can I just have this on audiobook at all times during the day it's so true and at an airport that's a tough place to be I feel like we're all our worst selves at the airport I'm I'm my worst self going through TSA actually I try to use that as a good opportunity like can I smile at the TSA person who looks like they want to fucking kill me yeah like you know what I'm saying They're like no belt no bags no water and you're like why are you yelling at me it's 4 a.m but you like, know what my favorite please. part about TSA is what how it's just different everywhere you go it really is it's just so fun <laughs> I love it they're like uh leave computer in the bag whenever yeah. I go to take why it are out. your shoes off and why then- are your shoes off <laughs> <laughs> I don't know and then whenever I do go to take my computer out of the bag they're like leave computers in <laughs> I'm like so it's every- anything it's whatever I don't do right I'm like can we all get on the same page here I know they're making up rules for every and individual you know what they thought there. would actually make things go easier but actually made things so much worse what? the new auto conveyor belts were like what is you happening? go to your station yeah. and it's not in an order and so whenever yours is ready you push it but like now five of my things are separated and I, like i am my worst <laughs> self trying to shove my bin in between people's <laughs> i know i'm like y'all can wait yeah. <laughs> i have a i have a place to be okay yeah i don't know what you guys are doing here oh god oh, um how did we get there oh you were at the airport sorry um no but i read this today and I felt like I was brought back close and I think as we'll talk about it I'll get into it um more okay I feel like this chapter is worth going slightly in order for oh in order and slow as fuck yes <laughs> wait slow. what about you in your week oh god this is one of those examples it's like I can't give names and like I can't give the exact situation but I had a situation that I thought I handled really well for the first 30 minutes like there was a situation that anyone would be annoyed at you know it's no one's fault but I handled it with grace I took a breath like I was supportive to the other person and then the night went on and like my brain starts spinning and like I end up just exploding to the point where it's just like it's like what he talked about in chapter six of just like 
who was that? Mm. And like, you know me well. That doesn't happen to me often where I like lose my cool. But like I went in and I was rude about someone else. It's like I could cry thinking about it. It's just like truly your worst self. And then you snap out of it and you're like, I am so sorry. Like, I don't know where the hell that all came from. But like, you're so mad at a situation that like, literally, like your ego takes over and you explode. And then like you come back to and you're like, I am so grossed out with the way I just behaved. Like, Mm -hmm. I I wish I could suck that all back in. Like, I don't know who that was. And everyone listening, this is the first I've heard this. I'm. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> just kidding you guys yeah I, I I'm know like situ- I, no I definitely walked you through this I know, I know the situation but when you explained it in that eloquent way I was like I don't know what she's talking, talking about. about no um, I, or like, I guess I didn't know that you carried it so deeply your reaction it, it and I don't know it was the same thing I mentioned at the beginning of the episode like you're sitting in bed with just your ego you start head spinning and I like couldn't control it yeah let me ask you this it sounds like you did do this, but confirming you then went back and said, ah, I recognize that wasn't my best. self." it was immediate. It was like, I had the outburst and I was like, took a breath and I was like, Jesus Christ, I know where this is coming from. This is stemming from, you know, a deeper place. It has nothing to do with the other person, everything to do with me. And there's a resolution that happened immediately. And it wasn't like I got in a fight with anyone or anything, but it's almost like you feel so disappointed with yourself or I felt so disappointed with myself that like I allowed that all to like just explode rather than just sitting with it and like. But you didn't necessarily allow it to because you were not, you didn't make the conscious choice. It It's a thing that happened because of the deep emotional patterning and then the moment you became conscious in the act, you realized it and you stopped it. It's like when you said one of your favorite parts was when you notice the ego, laugh, smile. Now doesn't it seem ridiculous? Yeah. No. And it was like the type of thing that he was saying in the last chapter, like about criminals, like it wasn't them. It was their ego. I'm like, yeah, but I still did it. <laughs> that was still me speaking. And right. it was just disappointing, especially like when we've been doing all this work and I felt like I haven't acted like that since like high school you know when you're in high school and your ego is just running your life and like yeah yeah I yeah I'm thinking like I had two little things like that this week not at all to the level that you're describing but like not at all to like the gross explosion that <laughs> no I, I just mean like I'm not trying to compare and say I no. know exactly how you feel yeah um but I think the most important part is that there's the acknowledgement of I didn't like how I acted and this was why. And I think since we've been doing this work, any time that I, I had something happen with my mom, actually, I think I could give an example for once. Um, basically my mom and I were on the phone and I told her about something that I did for a friend that I thought was thoughtful. And I, I was almost telling my mom, I think to seek maybe a little bit of that validation of, I'm thoughtful and I help others and I think of others because that's like what my mom does. Yeah. And I didn't realize that, you know, but it's like, you want to do things, you you tell people about what you do because you want them to say, oh, you're so great. Yes. And my mom was like, oh, okay. Um, just be, be careful because blah, blah, blah. And she, and in her statement she made, it was like a criticism and also insinuating like I'm out of touch. Basically I offered someone, 
my personal assistant for the day. It would cost $20 an hour. I'm very much aware that the person I was offering this help to could afford it, like could afford it for sure. And it's one day, one time when this person's really stressed and needs the help. And my mom was like, honey, like not everyone can just like have a personal assistant for the day. And I was like, mom, that's not what this is. And I just got like so irritated and I snapped at her. Yeah, it's I could see both sides of that. It's like you, it, I think you were frustrated. And tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth. You're the frustration probably came from you're looking for validation and then like it's when someone makes it's you feel insinuating like, you're out of touch. Yeah. And I feel like I am super in touch. So that to me is like a big ego hit. Like I try to be so in touch all the time about all that stuff. And I would not just recommend to anyone like here, spend $20 an hour to have a personal assistant, like help run your errands for the day. But this person seemed like they were really in need of the help one time. And this, like, I know a hundred percent, there is not a doubt that this is a, this is something that this person could spend on one time. Um, and anyways, I just, I got really upset about it. Uh, and I felt like I'm just trying to help, you know? Right. But then like two days later, I kept thinking about this interaction because I wasn't similar to you. I wasn't proud of it. I was like, why did I do that? And then actually in reading this book, we'll get to it. It was the part where like when you're criticized or you're made or someone misunderstands you, can you just do nothing? Yeah. And I was like, I wish I could go back to the call and just on my side, close my eyes and take a really deep breath and say, okay, yeah, for sure. I, to get into the book, are you ready? I know, should we get in? We can start with that because he... I know it's just a parable, but he kind of lost me there. I'm like, I... With the part about... You mean the guy who basically sacrificed his entire reputation in life because they thought he fucked the neighbor? You lost... <laughs> that's exactly what. I'm like, you lost me. I think his his point was that if there's a tornado spiraling and happening, picking up all of this noise and drama and these lies and these egos like having interactions with each other when you go to defend or to clarify you jump into the storm so true so true yeah it's just so hard in everyday life to just my like I have such a a line where I'm like that wasn't my intention that wasn't my intention like I am so you want to be understood I want to be understood And I think that story he gave is an extreme. Like, I would never want to let my reputation, my job, my career, everything go to shit for something that wasn't true. But I took it and applied it to this very small situation with my mom on the phone where that's a moment where I can just wear it and I don't have to get such an ego bruise about it, you know? Should we give a little synopsis of what the story was? Um, Yes, for our non-readers on the Chapter 7 episode. This one's for you. Um, So basically... This guy called the Zen master lives in Japan and his next door neighbor neighbor becomes pregnant and she blames the Zen master and the parents come over screaming and all he replies is, is that so? And then he loses his whole reputation. The, The parents come back over and they're like, you're the father, you take care of the kid. And he's like, is that so? So he takes care of them. And later the daughter says it was actually another dude at the butcher shop that she was schmanging and is actually the father and they come back to take the baby and he's like is that so 
and like everything works itself out and he just remains calm Mm -hmm. the entire time but of the sacrifice of his reputation and everything for the years and years that everyone believed him to be the one who did the crime I guess there is a piece in knowing like your truth it's okay to be misunderstood yeah it is such an affirmation and a blessing that you can give yourself if you stop feeling this desire to go knocking on everyone's door and tell them what you mean. Yes. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about your need to overexplain and catching myself overexplaining. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just chill. I'm like, no one needs a paragraph. I, I've been using this at work. I'm like, why do you need to overexplain everything? I had that literally last night because I was with some friends and they were like, you don't really watch Instagram stories. I never see you watching my stories. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying like to consume less. And then the person was like, but don't you like care to see like what I'm doing? (laughs) And I was like, or they were like, you know what your friends are doing? Like I didn't take it as like a, that in like a negative way. I just took it as like, don't you care to see what like people you love are doing? And I was like, yes, but we can talk about it on the phone or you can text me pictures. Like I just don't want to consume. And then I, and then the conversation moved on. It wasn't that deep for anyone, but I sat there and was like, oh my gosh, should I pull them aside and say, I'm so sorry. I haven't been watching your stories. Like the reason is because I'm doing all this personal work on myself and I'm trying to consume less and be more the present moment. And I didn't, I didn't. Good. Because I I thought I'm, I don't need to explain myself. No. Oh my God. It's so true. And like, think about all the noise that comes with being on Instagram all the time for every one important story that like I actually care to see. I see 300 other ones of just people I haven't spoken to in five years. I've started to mute people. Like if you, if I see you on my feed and I like you don't bring me joy <laughs> and and I don't care about you, you've been muted. <laughs> I mean, and I hope people do the same for my content because I post so obnoxiously that I'm like, I hope that if you? anyone... Me? You post like two frames a month. I feel like I post like I, I'm I'm so that girl with a boyfriend who just can't stop posting her boyfriend. Because I'm that, like, though. everyone needs to see him. He's so cute. <laughs> he is so cute. And I'm like, I hope if I'm bothering anyone, you just unfollow me. Well, this is the weird thing for me is like here I am saying I don't want to consume content and then I'm create but I love to create it. So I'm creating content that others consume. But I will say I like to view myself differently in that I hope that the content that I'm creating is of substance and is helping people the same way that there are people I do want on my feed because I love to see their content but I've recognized the mindless random person I met two years ago I don't need you to take up space on my feed anymore and I'm too and I'm too nice to unfollow you curating your space you're curating yeah I wish I could unfollow. Maybe that would be something I should do as an exercise of it's okay to be disliked by people. And I don't even think it's a dislike. Like truly, I I don't get offended when people unfollow me because I'm like, that makes sense. Why? Like, I don't think I would care as much either, but I'm not an influencer. But I think about the random girl who I met when I was just starting who, you know, supported me. And it's like at that time in my life, I was following everyone back. And now I'm like, if I unfollow her, like, is that going to really like break her heart? That's fair. That's fair. You're in a different spot than I am. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but like, I just know that there's some people in my life I look up to or they've inspired me. And like, if they unfollowed me, it would hit, it would hurt a little bit. That's fair. 
That's fair. Oh God. Okay, wait. Should we just? I'm I, sorry. Yeah. I do want to. Are just, you guys still here? Can we go to? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So at the twenty fifth minute we're gonna start <laughs> holy shit Should we put a disclaimer in the middle in the beginning of this and be like if you want to hear about the book go to the halfway through this episode no but we kind of said that in the beginning they know okay. they know okay. what they're getting into okay can we start on 185 literally page one yes all right so i highlighted the first words know thyself <laughs> <laughs> you didn't highlight the no the ton. I'm sorry I'm sorry for my pronunciation I did actually highlight that but I didn't want to say it because I didn't know how to say it I have no idea how to say it um Um, okay we can skip that page (laughs) (laughs) moving on page two page two of 40 so number one was know thyself okay next all right I feel cured oh good we do you want to know what I highlighted on page 186 yeah know thyself Okay, on to 187. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing. Holy fuck. I needed that laugh. Okay. I'm I have tears in my eyes. <laughs> okay. Um, you know what I highlighted on the next page? The little me. <laughs> this is the worst book one ever. <laughs> laughing at minute 135 <laughs> oh my god i can't believe this okay okay sorry okay i actually do have stuff to say wait about i actually have something to say on 186 okay you go okay what i thought was powerful on 186 was the line where he says knowing yourself is to be rooted in being instead of lost in your mind mm, i love that one i missed it i'm highlighting it now i thought that was powerful that's all i have to say about that line I highlighted before you ask any other question first ask the most fundamental question of your life who am I and then under that how he said unconscious people will quickly go to who they are their name their job their personal history their body whatever else they identify with I just feel like that's so true and then he says knowing yourself deeply has nothing to do with whatever those ideas are floating in your mind so at this point I was on the edge of my seat <laughs> wait i actually have something to say but it's not <laughs> okay sorry what was the last thing you just said <laughs> um i don't really know what i what i loved out of this chapter was he said what matters to you is not necessarily what you say or believe but what your actions and reactions reveal as important and serious to you I feel like I was able to keep my cool for so long and like I thought I was in touch and 
like found the inner me because I could keep calm in most situations. But you know what I think it was? I don't think I cared about anything that much. Mm. It was like I almost disconnected. I almost stopped caring so that I would stop reacting. Are you thinking about like when you felt depressed? Not even like on a more surface level. Like I convinced myself nothing was that important, you know, and I think there is some power to that. But I think to a certain point you can take it too far. And then I think I convinced myself that I didn't need to deeply care about anything. And I think there's so much beauty in the deepness of caring. Well, here's the nuance. Did you turn off your caring because you were trying to protect yourself. Yes. Yeah. I think it was a wall I had put up. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that speaks for itself. Yeah. Instead of recognizing something invoking a reaction to me and labeling it as, sorry, not labeling, but recognizing that that's something that's important to me, I would shut it off. And I would almost say that if you're doing that, you're not actually one with the present moment. Agreed. Yeah. Just because you can keep your cool doesn't mean that you're at peace. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is an anecdote I can give because it's silly, like nail painting example. But I'm, I'm painting my apartment and I was so excited for my bedroom to be done. Like we picked a beautiful color and I was I walked in after work and I shit you not. The room was peach. The whole room was peach. <gasps> and I'm standing in the room and I'm like, Jose, is it, is it pink? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's a little peach. And I was like, it's not supposed to be peach. He's like, I know it doesn't look anything like the sample we put up. And I was like, I know that's weird, Jose, <laughs> but it's all over my walls. It, that, that being said, it's it's up. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. So we ended up fixing it. But my decorator was like, you stayed so calm during that. And I was like, at the end of the day, it's just paint. And I was like, so proud of myself. I was like, I did stay really calm and it's fixed now and it's fine. But then I found later in the day, like it started, my annoyance started like seeping out into other things. And I was on the phone with Wood and he was like, hey, you're being a little short right now. And I was like, sorry, I think I was just holding in all that rage from the, the <laughs> situation. It slowly seeped out of me the rest of the day. It slowly trickled out. Like, and does, was, it, does it matter if you suppress it in one moment, if you release no, it? No, exactly. And I was like, I was like talking to my decorator and she's like, she was like, thank you for being so calm. Like, you know, like most people freak out at this stuff. I was like, me? I wouldn't. Deborah, it's just paint. Like, <laughs> <laughs> turns around and like screams. Literally. And like, I felt like my whole body was like going to explode. And I was like, it's fine. This happens. And I thought, and then I'm like, but it's probably my ego. Like thinking I was like so calm, cool and collected. Well, I, <laughs> I love that. And I've actually been trying to be more that way with work. I used to get really frustrated with this contractor I had who was constantly late with things, like just late on everything. And so then I'd have to, you know, where is this? Where is that? It's like I took on so much stress to try to like manage and then there's like an excuse or there's a made up story, whatever. And it's like I would get so mad and I'd talk to Max about it, whatever, to ruin my night. And then I suddenly was like, huh, what if I just don't buy in? Yeah. Like- Here's the deadline. Hit it. If you don't hit it, I'll find someone else. Right. There's nothing to be so angry simple. about. There's nothing personal. I've found that like I've been better at accepting the things that don't go as I wanted them in the situation. Just like your paint story. Yeah. On 188, this is the first time where he said the little me. And I loved that analogy. 
I highlighted if peace mattered to you more than anything else, and if you truly knew yourself to be spirit rather than a little me, you would remain non-reactive and absolutely alert when confronted with challenging people or situations. You would immediately accept the situation and thus become one with it rather than separate yourself from it. Then out of your alertness would come a response. Who you are, consciousness, not who you think you are a small me would be responding. It would be powerful and effective and would make no person or situation into an enemy. That's what we were just talking about. Yeah. It's not personal. Yeah. And I think what I've been realizing throughout this whole book and chapter specifically is we've been convinced that like the more angry we get or the frustrated we get, the more we assert our dominance or the more we, you know, strive for power to be respected, like we're going to get what we want. But actually... It's the complete opposite. I know. The more you meet everything with peace, loving kindness, and calm, the quicker you actually get what you are hoping for. He takes it one line further and he says, how you react to people and situations, especially when challenges arise, is the best indicator of how deeply you know yourself. I love that. Mic drop. I put a star next to that. I did too. The stars I put are like big points for me. Big time. I love to the right of that on 189. You are not the ego. So when you become aware of the ego in you, it does not mean you know who you are. It means you know who you are not. But it is through knowing who you are not that the greatest obstacle to truly knowing yourself is removed. I think this describes the shift I had in just being today. It's like this morning when I was showering, I felt like I could just start crying of like, I'm stressed and I'm overwhelmed and I, I want to be in the present moment and I'm not. And like, how do I fix this? How do I blah, blah, blah. It was like my ego was so consuming of like, fix, do this, be better, understand, understand. And then when I recognize, oh, like, even though that's not like a mean entity or an angry entity, all that stress, anxious, panic is ego. And I'm actually the person who's witnessing it. Yeah. And it's like when, it, when you start to witness that, it goes away. Do you know what I'm saying? Does it go away for you? Yes. <clears throat> I feel like I had a big shift today in like recognizing that I had spent three days. I didn't realize it was ego. I'm just like, this is me dealing with stress. This is me handling my shit. This is me figuring this out. This is me being motivated. Like, but really I was the person witnessing all of those thoughts and desires. It's funny how everyone's ego manifests itself so differently. I loved also at the bottom without this realization, who you are does not shine forth into this world. It remains in the unmanifested, which is of course your true home. You are then like an apparently poor person who does not know he has a bank account with a hundred million in it. So his wealth remains an unexpressed potential. I thought that was the perfect example of like you have something and it is so evident, but you're ignoring it. Yes. And you're not using it. It's like literally shining a light on things you're just not recognizing Mm -hmm. at this rate of me reading each paragraph on each page side by side I have a question I have a question (laughs) will never be done (laughs) um on 190 at the very top he says who you think you are is also intimately connected with how you're how you see yourself treated by others and I do this and I feel like you do this but tell me if I'm wrong do you feel like when you're not being the best friend you can be ever to someone or like you feel like you're not showing up somewhere in a certain way I find myself like then pointing to them like well they're not doing this for me well they're not doing this for me so like it's fine that I'm not doing this for them does that make sense yes sometimes even if I have the desire to show up for a friend 
I'll hear a voice come in being like, well, they haven't done anything for you, so let's not. Yes. Yeah. And like I find it, I don't have those thoughts about my friends ever. Like I never feel like my friends aren't showing up for me. And I know I can come to any friend and be like, hey, I would appreciate if you did this. And they'd be like, oh my God, yeah, no problem. I, I don't think I've had a lot of those conversations in my life. But I find my inner voice telling me all the things that they're not doing for me when I feel like I'm not showing up for them and only then. So it's just like a projection of myself. That's interesting. I don't have that as much. No. But I totally follow what you're saying and it sounds like I could track it for sure. Yeah. And it's just funny because like you take a step back and you're just like it's my connection with how I'm seeing myself treated by others and I think what it's saying too is like we're focusing on what isn't there and then this is why this is called abundance at the end I wrote acknowledging the good that is already there in your life is the foundation for all abundance the fact is whatever you think the world is withholding from you you are withholding from the world and I feel like we have the best friends in the world we have the best friends in the world we nitpick the minor things that aren't absolutely perfect or not you know what I'm saying like I need to have that more of that abundance mindset with here's all the fucking ways that these are some of the greatest friends to ever come across yeah and I I genuinely only feel like I'm nitpicking when I'm not showing up that way does that make sense like yeah. I don't nitpick so my you, friends so like, you're oh you're projecting it I'm fully projecting because all you're insecure about being subpar you reassure yourself that they're also subpar in these ways yes so you shouldn't feel bad yes exactly it's Mm -hmm. my my whole ego voice is like no you're fine they're worse not not actually I don't (laughs) think my friends are worse or bad or anything but like the little little voice that I recognize isn't real is like no dude like relax you know what I really speaking of the little voice Mm -hmm. I kind of love calling ego little me little me that like actually makes it seem like less powerful and more of a joke it is such a joke which I like <laughs> I did think this was really beautiful whatever you think people are withholding from you praise appreciation assistance loving care and so on give it to them you don't have it act as if you had it and it will come the sooner you start giving the soon you will start receiving I wrote a heart next to that <gasps> I have stars but this I, is the first heart in my book. I love that. I have another heart in this chapter. I'll tell you when it comes. Oh my God. I'm I put a star next to this it's one. It's so true. And I, I didn't realize, but I, I find myself doing that in everyday life. Like if I'm looking for something, I give it in the whole like TikTok manifestation mindset. The secret to having it all is knowing that you already do mm-hmm. and like letting all the good in is only possible when you give it, I feel like is what he was trying to get at. And I don't think it's as literal as like, you need to quit your job and spend every single day of your life giving to other people. That's a beautiful thing if that would fulfill someone. I think it's more like when he says this smile on the stranger. I was just about to say that line. Yeah, I thought that was so sweet. And how much better do you feel walking around? Like when I'm in a good mood, walking around my day job and I'm smiling at everyone, they're like, what is she on? <laughs> like I feel so much better going me, about my day. Me too. But the bummer thing that I struggle with is like, I want to smile at everyone, but as women, like we are in a predatory society and I struggle to just be super nice and smiley and bubbly to like random men. That's fair. Looking at it, I don't smile at men. I smile at babies and dogs. Yeah. (laughs) They can't hurt me. But you know what (laughs) I dislike about how I'm going about it is that because of the way that these people are acting, I'm going to disappoint myself and not show up a hundred percent because 
of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. I am making myself smaller in a sense and I'm not being a hundred percent who I want to be in that moment because of the fear of like how that person would act and that's not fair to me like I should be what I want to be and if you're gonna cat call or make a creepy ass comment or like you know I'm jumping ahead now but he had that part about the firm boundary the back off I love an Eckhart back off. Wait, which part? You missed his boundary part? Did I? On 216. This does not mean, of course, that you invite abuse or turn yourself into a victim of unconscious people. Sometimes a situation may demand that you tell someone to back off in no uncertain terms. Without egoic defensiveness, there will be power behind your words, yet no reactive force. If necessary, you can also say no to someone firmly and clearly, and it will be what I call a high-quality no. That is free of all negativity. Yeah. Like I I feel like I'm starting to connect with his or I guess my little me. It's like, you know, when that's coming because like you want to like be sassy and like or like when it's just genuinely like you're crossing my boundary. Please step back. Right. I do think I'm going to try to smile more. I do smile a lot at strangers. I try to smile a lot at women. Women deserve smiles. (laughs) Facts. Um, Okay. Knowing yourself and knowing about yourself. I literally was caught dead in my tracks at this first line. You may not want to know yourself because you're afraid of what you may find out. Many people have a secret fear that they are bad. You have a secret fear you're bad? I can tell you right now you're not bad. Oh my God, that's so sweet. In therapy right now, I'm working on... It's been two sessions. I brought it up last session. But I have this like imposter syndrome that I'm bad. I'm like jaw dropped right now I can't even see where that comes from your childhood um it's funny you say that because that's what my therapist said she's like let's talk like what comes to mind when you say that and it's like I can still like barely think of like anything really bad it's just this thing I have can't you find comfort in the fact that this whole book is kind of getting to the point that no one at their core is bad so what are you afraid to find out and it's funny because I don't think I'm, I am afraid. Like then he says, there are people who want to delve into every aspect of their childhood, uncover their secret fears and desires, find layers upon layers. This, that's, that, that, that rocked me. I was like, that was me. That I feel like that's me too. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm weirdly both. I feel the next line I wrote, I was like, I'm guilty of this because in college when I was in therapy, I just wanted to point every flaw I had to something in my past and understand it all, where it all came from. And then I just like got bored of it. I was like, okay, but that's not who I am today. Like who cares where it all came from? Let's fix it. You just get tired of it. I feel like after you dig so much. Yeah. Well, this part, I think in general was talking about therapy. Actually, I've had a thought. I don't think that this is about, this is why I think I'm bad, but I think when you have strained relationships in life, you can't help but recognize it's a relationship with two people. Yeah. And so I think that for me is like, even though in a situation I'm very confident and I've had a sea of people affirm, validate, like I've done the best I could. I did everything I could. I did it the right way. I'm maybe going to cry. Um, like... You just do feel like, I don't know. You you can't help but feel partially responsible. But like, it's not your fault. 
It's so funny because I didn't even draw this connection in an hour therapy session. I'm like trying to dig up like me on the playground and I'm like, I can't think of anything. Why do I have this deep sense that I'm bad in some way? But now it's kind of clicking for me. Like when you have a strained relationship with someone, they have their own thoughts of you. And even though I'm pretty positive that they're very wrong. I'm positive that they're wrong. Yeah. Like I just, you can't help but be like, well, that's their experience. And That's what they believe. I I completely agree. And even though everyone else is telling you that their narrative is incorrect and affirming you that you're the great person that we all know you as, it's still someone's experience. And that's hard. And and it's, it's hard to see from the inside. It's easier for all of us to tell you that they're wrong. Yeah. Even in the situation I'm thinking of, like the fact that like, I think this other person is bad yet I can still carry so much love and truly wish the best and like have all of the kindness for someone who has so deeply wronged me also goes to to show you're good but you know (laughs) what I mean I just mean I think it shines light on how if someone's unable to do that that I shouldn't carry so much weight with their feelings completely and that I think is the key for me like I just I'm having a little moment brain moment of like if someone is unable to be at that place I can't take their their words at at such face value right because they're not they're not going there you have to choose whose opinions to hear and like why hear that one on a lighter note Something that does get me through the days of these thoughts is that Max Brown married me. And Max if, Brown married you. If I have one thing I know in life, it is that that man is the purest, goldest, sold, happiest, kindest human. And I constantly am like, if I was bad, <laughs> the world's greatest man would not want to spend every minute with me. <laughs> it's so true i know it's so true oh, that's my reassurance okay well that was a moment that was a moment uh once again wish i could tell you guys everything i know <laughs> sorry that i can't sorry for this like cryptic high level <laughs> tearful did this even make sense moment. it's like in code dude i don't know you're gonna have to listen back to all of this you were talking earlier and i was like i know what you're talking about but no one else does so yeah. i'm like responding to we're doing our best it's i think i think we did a good job well, I love you. I know that you're good, by the way. Thanks. I love you, too. Wait, let me guess. Were you, like, obsessed with the snowflake story? <laughs> <laughs> Big old circle. I, Big old circle. I knew it. I saw a little story about a snowflake. Let's I'm like, go. This is going to be Aubrey's whole This is whole my pers- bread and butter, baby. <laughs> like, this is going to be your whole personality. This is my whole personality. The Zen saying of the snowfalls. Each flake in its appropriate place will be tattooed on my forehead for the rest of my life. Okay. I actually need your help here because I, he was trying to say basically there trust the plan or the divine oneness of everything. I was following it, but I'm still not sold on everything happens for a reason. Do you think he was saying everything happens for a reason? I don't think it's everything happens for a reason. I, I think hearing that in a moment of loss or frustration is like so frustrating of like, Everything happens for a reason. But like, I don't know if you guys have picked up on the fact that I'm a little woo-woo. But he says on 197, the atoms that make up your body were once forged inside stars. 
and the causes of even the smallest events are virtually infinite and connected with the whole in incomprehensible ways. I just think nothing is a coincidence. I just have such a hard time thinking we are not part of such a bigger picture when the atoms that make us up have always existed on this earth. Mm -hmm. Like nothing is created or destroyed. I just think that we're all here learning lessons and finding solace in the fact that like anything that does happen to us maybe doesn't happen for a reason in this small lifetime, but like in the greater scheme of like our souls in like the broad sense of the universe, I just think we'll look back on everything and it just all makes sense. Like it all fits. You know what I mean? I'm going in and out. This is one of the harder parts for me to grasp of the book. And I actually wrote on 196 to the left, ant theory. I couldn't think of it at the time, but complexity theory. What is it? Basically, I underline this part. I do know what it is. Yeah, it's like the ant theory. Like if you zoom out, the way that we actually function as a society, like we all drive on the right side of the road. We know how to walk on the sidewalk. Like we function with like unspoken human rules the same way that like ants just know to get the crumb and then get in the line. And it's like if you zoom out, we look like ants look. Yes. It says... Through excessive reliance on thinking, reality becomes fragmented. This fragmentation is an illusion, but it seems very real while you're trapped in it. And yet the universe is an indivisible whole in which all things are interconnected, in which nothing exists in isolation. I follow it in terms of chain reaction. I was thinking when I was at Mayaya's house last, there's a photo of her and she looks super young with these older women. And I'm like, who are these people? She's like, my sister's. I'm like, I didn't realize you were that much younger. She was the youngest. And she was like, yeah, I was an accident. And in that moment, I thought, oh, my God, like, what if they never had you? My mom would have never been born. My dad would have never married my mom. I wouldn't exist. The chances that we are even alive, it's the ripple effect through the universe. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just like, yeah, imagine if your guy hadn't been born and then like, we wouldn't be friends. Where would I be? You know what I mean? Like. And at the time, let's just say, I don't know if this is true. Yaya's mom is like freaking out that they can't afford this baby. And, you know, now they have to pull out of another kid's college tuition and they think it's the worst thing in the world. And then like, look at us sitting here right now. That was the most beautiful thing that could have ever happened. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like that story, the maybe story. Yes. I loved that story. Yeah. So I, that's right above top of 197 I heard Tom Brady say this once he told it in a different way the horses uh yeah yeah will you tell it I might not do it justice but this man's son comes home with a horse and he's like dad I just found this horse on the side of the road now we're able to tend to our farm isn't that great and the father goes maybe the next day the son gets bucked off the horse and breaks his neck and the neighbors come over and they're like this is so tragic about your son we're so sorry this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And he's like, maybe. And then the next day, the son's apartment catches on fire. And they're like, thank God. If he broke his neck, he would be dead. I think it's he broke his leg. Broke his leg. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) No, keep going. So then his apartment catches on fire, but he's at the hospital. And they're like, oh my God, thank God he wasn't there. And it's like, maybe. And it keeps going. It's just like, you never know if an event is good or bad. It just will make sense eventually. Yes. Every snowflake will fall where it will and it is an appropriate place or whatever the (laughs) Eckhart says. (laughs) I actually drew a snowflake. Do you see it? Isn't it cute? That's really cute. Um, 
Does that help? Yeah, I love the maybe story. It makes me think of, honestly, Max and football. You know, all he wanted was to be in the NFL, and that was his life. And it's like, he's not there, but look at this beautiful life that we have. And like, we always have those conversations together. Right. And it's like, what if Max did break his neck? You know what I mean? Like, you just don't know what could have happened. So it's like, you think it's the worst thing in the world, but like, who knows, you know? Football is very violent. It's almost like that theory that I have that I, oh my God. Yes. (laughs) I've been telling the maybe theory before I even knew. Oh my God. Wait, the fact that with, so few words. You just read my mind. I know exactly what you're going to say. I think about it all the time. This is our version of the maybe. Yes. Okay, everybody. Here's the theory. Basically, I've told Aubrey forever that if anything happens that isn't great, I like to think of it like this. For example, let's say I broke my foot and it's like in present reality, I'm like, this is the worst fucking thing ever. I broke my foot. Now I'm not gonna be able to walk. But what if in an alternate reality, I got presented two options. You can break your foot or you can lose an entire leg. And I chose break my foot. Oh my God. How happy would I be that I didn't have the worst scenario? Yeah. Wait, it's so true. that is the maybe that is the, the maybe theory. Wow. It is like anything negative that happens. I'm always like, Aubrey, well, what if in another life we chose this I and know. something worse could have happened? You've been saying the maybe theory since we were 11. Wow, I love the maybe theory. Does that clarify my woo-woo-ness and why the snowflake hits me so hard? Yes. I guess it's hard for me to think everything is pre-planned. I don't think that. Okay, good. I think there's a difference we're getting at here. But everything that happens will create something beautiful. Yes. You know what this reminds me of? What? Big bad make big good. Big bad make big good. <laughs> it's so true. Was that in our episodes or yes. was that? Remember, I just edited that the other day. Was it big bad yeah, make big good? Yeah, we were talking about your dad and you were like, yes. I wouldn't regret it. It's like a big bad, but it made it big good. Big bad make big good. <laughs> and it's so true. Like, I just look at my mom and her new marriage and like the way we love Rich and I'm just like, he would have never been in our lives. Like we wouldn't, just your whole life just mm-hmm. looks so different. And so beautiful in its own way. Mm-hmm. I feel like that gave me a lot of clarity and it's something I still have to keep mulling over because okay. it's just foreign for me. But like, yeah. I'm excited. Like, I feel like I'm getting it and I need to just keep it to marinate. Yeah. On 198, not minding what happens. I don't mind what happens. Nothing bothers me. I love that. Jeff Saad, nothing bothers me. I need to be better at that. I feel like I'm unbothered in most of my life but then when something bothers me getting it the hell out of my head like is so hard well you know what's the perfect example of this I actually went abroad to play volleyball in China for this like movie (laughs) that's so random so random I was like barely in it it was a background character it was just a fun experience but anyways like I really wanted this like certain number and to be this certain position And like, I think that, and that comes up for me. Like I was, I literally remember thinking if I don't get this, why the fuck did I come to China? Like really? Like it, cause they're like giving out. You have always been like that. No, I'm super, I am not good at like, if I show up somewhere and like there's blue lollipops and pink lollipops and I really want a pink one. Like if I get a blue one, like I am visibly like, no, I need a pink. You make a scene. Like (laughs) (laughs) there's, I I give my pink lollipop immediately away. (laughs) I now have a blue lollipop. (laughs) 
Harper's like, let me tell you how this bad boy played yeah. out her whole life. <laughs> oh, fuck. Maybe that's why I'm unbothered. <laughs> you guys, if you've ever seen Bride Wars, Aubrey and I joke that I'm Kate Hudson and she's Anna Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> Who ends up with the husband? Both. Actually, both. Actually, both. They both grow and learn. They do. Um, but... <laughs> that's funny like literally in Aubrey's maid of honor toast to me she's like I said Vic and I have been playing dress up for this day our whole lives and of course Vic was always the gorgeous blushing bride and I was dressed like Max (laughs) (laughs) that was a crowd getter everyone started dying laughing so honestly I'm so glad we're talking about this I need to be I need to work on this the next time I'm in a situation and I don't get seat seat where I wanted to be sat I don't get served I don't want to be served like I don't get the color I want or like even like when I went to SoFi Stadium for Taylor Swift and it's like I wanted this quarter zip, the great quarter zip, great quarter zip, like I got it. Of course you did. Could I have been happy if I didn't get it? I think I really need to work on this. Can I make a jump? Yeah. Do you think you get this from Lainey? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, why is it? <laughs> I don't feel like that's a big jump. That's it's kind of not, the obvious. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not a jump at all. Lainey, Wait, I love you. Because but like, my mom there's is something to be said about it. Like, you guys always do get the best thing. And like, I think there's nothing wrong with like wanting the best thing. It's just like finding satisfaction if in the off chance you don't get it. Okay. I'm going to give the perfect example. I can actually give an example. Okay. Speaking of my mom, my mom has this thing. Meanwhile, everyone listening, you've never thought about this ever before in your life. And now you will, and it will forever ruin you. And this is good. (laughs) You can do the work with me. (laughs) Because this is how I was raised. But like, it, even in the simplest thing, if we go to a restaurant, my mom will like verbally indicate what seats are the best based on like what your view is. If you're seated facing a wall, it's not a good seat. If you seat facing out to the restaurant or out towards the view, like that's a better seat. Max had never ever thought about that in his life until like getting dinners with my family. And my mom will be like, oh, Max, sweetie, you sit over here so you have the view or you have the better seat. And Max is like, what? And it's like, but now he has this awareness of like, if we sit at a restaurant, like what's the good seat and what's the bad seat? Yeah. And so it's just the smallest example of like last night I was at a birthday dinner and it was a table of six, three seats facing the gorgeous Santa Monica ocean and three seats facing in the birthday girl and the two hostesses were facing in. And I remember thinking to myself, Oh my God, I can't believe they're not sitting and staring at the view. Like, why do I have a view seat? Like they're the priority. And then I thought to myself, I bet they don't even realize it. No. But don't bring it up and ruin every restaurant experience moving forward. But I'm a fucking psycho. No, you're not a psycho because that's a real thing in business. If there's a boardroom and there's a view, the business people sit with their backs to the view so that when the clients come in, they look at the view and probably sign the deal. So it's a real thing. And there's etiquette rules that like your mom's right. Like you are supposed to give the guests the view. But like, but it's to the point where like my mom, we will get up and like move seats in a restaurant if it's not a great seat. Yeah. And she's not, she's not like super rude about it at all. Like it, like, and you know what? I've taken that on. Like I'll be somewhere and be like, I'll be like, I'm so sorry. And if it's not possible, don't worry. But can we by chance go sit over there? I do the same. Because I think environment is big. Yeah. But I think what would be a good test for me is the next time I'm seated somewhere that's not perfect in the restaurant. I don't mind what happens. I, I don't think that's what it is. Cause like, I think you're allowed to like, be like, Oh, do you mind if we go sit over there? If you're going to enjoy your dinner more over there. But like, if they're like, Oh no, sorry, we're reserving that table. Just like not letting your dinner be ruined by the fact that you're sitting next to the bathroom. But isn't it silly? Shouldn't I be able to accept a moment? That's not absolutely the one I wanted to have. 
I don't know. I don't know. Like, I guess then it's like the Aggie question of like, why do you need to go sit at that perfect table? It's like, it totally. Yeah. Well, it's like, like if it's not to like go be seen in, in the sceny seat for whatever reason on the patio, it's just like, no, I like being outside more. I think there's a time and place for it. And I, but I do think 70% of the time I should be able to like, I will struggle to enjoy a moment if like I, if I don't get the optimal situation in it. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Yeah. It's like if you genuinely cannot or will struggle to enjoy it after that, then I guess that's where work needs to be done. But I don't think there's anything wrong with asking. Yeah. But I need to start embracing the nothing bothers me. I don't mind what happens mindset. I also underlined what happens, of course, refers to the suchness of this moment, which already is as it is. I think a big thing for me, a big thing for me in this entire chapter is is acceptance. I mean, that's how you get into the present moment. And that is undeniable. That's easier for me to grasp than the snowflake theory is like, the moment that's happening is the moment. It's not yeah. changing. We're here. And when he actually got into his, I'm jumping now, but to 202, the three ways in which the ego will treat the present moment, one as means to an end, two as an obstacle, three as an enemy. I mean, that to me was like, I loved it because it's so definitive. We either view the present moment as I got to get through this to get money or to get here. I just have to fucking get through this. That's number one. Number two, an obstacle. I have to overcome this to get to some future version of me. Or this is a challenge that once I get through, like I'll be on the other side and I'm going to feel better and happier. Or three, as an enemy. I can't believe that this is where we are. I wanted it to be differently. It should have been differently. It's so true. And I feel like that's what cracked open for me this, this chapter was like, you can just sit and look. And even if it's not the moment you want to be having or the one you expected, like it's still, I keep using this word like beautiful in its own way. It will, it is the moment. And yeah. when, when I think about it as a sports game, let's say we're, you're playing a volleyball match and you lose the first two sets. Are you going to cry in the locker room and be like, I can't believe we lost the first two sets. Like screw this. No, it's third set. It's zero, zero. And like, what are you going to do about it now? Yeah. It's like, that was my mentality in sports. You just, you are where you are. And you have to now Play the put in the work, grind, and try to win from where you are. Yeah. And so I love that undeniable truth of the this moment is what it is. Yeah. Are you going to accept it for what it is? Or are you going to resist it and cause more suffering? Right. I love that. I also love that he shortened it in the paradox of time on 204 and just says life is always now. Yeah, I highlighted right above it. There's only ever this moment in you, italics. You discover that there is only ever this moment. It's just like, that's it. Speaking of the present moment, I want to talk and do some work on this. It's around the same pages. It's like 200 to 203. The ego in the present moment. Do I want the present moment to be my friend or be my enemy? Yeah. And I thought that it was sweet how he said, become friendly towards it, welcome it, no matter in what disguise it comes, and soon you'll see the results. Life becomes friendly toward you. People become helpful. Circumstances cooperate. One decision changes your entire reality, but that one decision you have to make again and again and again, the decision to be friends with the present moment until it becomes natural to live in such a way. And actually, this is the page that has my heart, where Eckhart wrote, once you've reached a certain level of consciousness, and if you are reading this, you almost certainly yes, have. Yes. I wrote dash validation heart. Yeah. I'm like, hi, Nike. Because like, it's me. I'm like, hi, Eki. It's hi. me. Hi. Because like we just talk about him. I'm and- the Eki. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, 
literally just sing on this podcast. I just I love that. I just felt like I he like acknowledged me in that moment. It's yeah. like, dear reader. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um <clears throat> anyways, this present moment shit was unreal, especially about time. Can I jump to 209? Yeah, honestly, we're over an hour in. We should be jumping. This is where I teared up. Aww. When death approaches, we may look back on our life and wonder if it was just another dream. I was just so moved by the fleetingness of things, the nothingness, the idea that this is all just a dream. And then like it giving me rose colored glasses for every moment. Because like, you know, when you wake up from a dream and you're like, oh, good. Like it was just a dream. And then like disappears. Mm -hmm. Like, like if I were to evaporate, say like my, this is so morbid, but like say my life was ending in 20 minutes. Wouldn't I just sit here in this moment and just, like, be so grateful for it? Like, if you couldn't do anything, I was the only person who knew. Like, I would just be, like, so grateful for what was happening right now. Does that make any sense? Yes, because you don't have a choice. You, in that moment, actually have to make the biggest decision of, do I spend the last 20 minutes of my life crying and resisting it when it's going to happen? Like, it's like an ultimate form of acceptance that I think he kind of, Uh, talks about with the Stephen Hawking analogy and then but don't you think that like we have that choice every day yeah so like I just love the the dream analogy just hit for me you'll look back on everything in your life when you're 80 years old and be like huh that was cool you know it's crazy how when you give that example of like if you only had 20 more minutes left to live like call it five what would you do five I'd be fucking panicking (laughs) 20 like 20 you have have a little you have a second you have time to be like I have to process. Yeah. I don't even, but I mean, not, not if, if there were 20 minutes left, I'd be freaking the hell out. But, but like, but you know what I mean? Like yes. once you come to accept it and then like, but you're you, sitting there with the moment. Well, I get what you're describing and it's the surrender. Yes. And on t- two twelve, I highlighted he was living in surrender when he talks about Stephen Hawking. Yeah. And it makes me think about, this is also very morbid and sad, but when people are dying of cancer yeah, and they almost have this joy and this calm and this acceptance yeah. because why fight when there's nothing that you can do in those last days yeah, or weeks or wherever they are. And so they just live every moment to the fullest. And it's, I feel like he talked about this in another chapter, something like, was it something like the person, it might've been another book I read. It was like, he knew one person who won the lottery. Yes. And then another person lost everything. And the person that lost everything was happier, more fulfilled, and better than the person who gained everything in life. Was this The Art of Happiness or was this this book? Oh my God, that was The Art of Happiness. It was The Art of Happiness. Okay, that was a story in The Art of Happiness. Yeah. But still. Same thing. Um, yeah, I mean, sorry, an hour and 20 into this, I'm a little delirious. I am too. <laughs> I am too. Um, wait, okay, we need to wrap this up because I don't think anyone's going to listen this long. But okay, a few a few things. I, I just take from this like... Only if you resist what happens are you at the mercy of what happens and the world will determine your happiness and unhappiness. And then something else that I really want to talk about is on 202. The present moment is at best only useful as means to an end. It gets you to some future moment that is considered more important, even though the future never comes except as the present moment and is therefore never more than a thought in your head. In other words, you are never fully here because you are always busy trying to get elsewhere. I think I've always understood this basic concept of like, if you're constantly looking for what's coming, you can't enjoy it. But then the fact that he said, you're never actually going to be with what's coming. 
Yeah. Because by the time that the thing comes, there's a future thing. Yeah. And so this, like, I literally wrote wow next to it. Like, this hit me as the future never comes. And when it does come, it comes as the present moment. And if you have no relationship with the present moment, you'll never experience the future. It's so crazy. I know. I just feel like this, like, unlocked what the present moment means for me. Because, like, I, I, I heard it. Like, I heard it. You've heard it a million times of, like, be present, be present. And then you're present and you're like, the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> because it's uncomfortable. It's not comfortable. Well, we don't know how to be in it. Yeah. I feel like I figured out how to be in it. And then watch. Next week, I'll forget. Well, what's funny is on 206, you cannot make the egoless state into a future goal and then work toward it. <laughs> I literally wrote, at me next time. <laughs> at us like even this morning I was thinking oh my gosh okay well we're gonna get back to work and we're gonna work towards being but guess what I have the essence just leave like, it we don't have... work towards anything no truly <laughs> but like I, I I get it though I get it I get it it's just being reminded of it I get why my mom has all those sayings around her house you know those four those live love laugh sayings I just need them that say like be present in cursive handwriting on a wood plank <laughs> that goes above my fridge or something. Well, you know what I fuck with? And he said this on the Oprah chapter seven breakdown talking about the cross. People live in the horizontal. So that's like one time. That's a dimension of time. Like you're moving on a timeline. Yeah. But it's the vertical dimension. That's the now. And that's a dimension that people like mostly won't tap into. And he said people look at it as like the you can look, think of it as the cross of in Christianity. Of course, here I am with Jesus. Here we are with Jesus. But there the, was actually a Jesus part that Vic didn't call out. I know. I now I don't do it on purpose because I'm self conscious. We. <laughs> I don't want to make you insecure. No, I love I'm your just, Jesus part. I'm kidding. I I didn't. They haven't resonated with me as much. Um, if right. they did, I would bring it up. But I'm bringing it up now. The cross symbolizing two dimensions: the horizontal dimension and the vertical dimension. And the vertical dimension being the one that we want to live in. I love that he said clock time. I love that he differentiated it because I was yes. like, okay, how am I going to schedule yeah, things? Yeah, 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 It says for the ego to survive, it must make time past and future more important than the present moment. The ego cannot tolerate becoming friendly with the present moment, except briefly just after it got what it wanted. But nothing can satisfy the ego for long. As long as it runs your life, there are two ways of being unhappy. Not getting what you want is one and getting what you want is the other. This was crazy. Mic drop, Eki. Because when you don't get what you want, you're pissed. But then when you get what you want, you're like, you're unsatisfied because you're like, what next? <laughs> I don't know how to be with anything. I literally was like, that's shook so by this. you. Like, that's like, I feel like what you've been searching for. Yes. The answer to this. I think he answered my 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 breakdown I was having about like success and like yes. the future. I feel like he was talking about a lot of it here. And I loved, I loved that he said um, on 210, when you are present, when your attention is fully in the now, the presence will flow into and transform what you do. There'll be a quality and a power to it. You are present when what you're doing is not means to an end, money, prestige, winning, but fulfilling in itself. When there is a joy and an aliveness in what you do, and of course, you cannot be present unless you become friendly with the present moment. That's the basis for effective action, uncontaminated by negativity. Slow is present and it's smooth and you can actually tap into all of your power that you have to give to something. And if you do that in each moment, you will be you will end up somewhere great and successful. Yeah. Now it's like I kind of feel like I I get 
how to be successful and be ambitious, but also practice this. Yes. Not rush to the end. When does someone say, I am successful and wrap up? If You know what I mean? But here's the deeper question. What is success? No, no, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's just like, what is... Like, do you mean... When people say, I can't wait till I'm successful... It means nothing. They think, I can't wait till I have the forms of money, a house, yes. a car. But success... It can be defined in so many ways. Well, go, going to your dream thing, this is exactly it. The many things that happen, the many forms that life takes on are of an eph- ephemeral nature. What's ephemeral? Ephemeral? Okay. I don't know how to say that word. It must just mean something like a fake nature. Sure. Okay, I'm on 209. Welcome they are, to our book club. They are all fleeting things, bodies, Events, situations, thoughts, emotions, desires, ambitions, fears, drama. They come, pretend to be all important, and before you know it, they are gone. Dissolved into the nothingness out of which they came. Where Were they ever real? Were they ever more than a dream, the dream of form? So all these things that you're thinking will mean you can say you're successful one day. Like, he's yeah. basically saying they're just form. Can I dive into this dream thing? I know we're so over time. Yeah, like, let's just fuck it. If you're if you're here this far, just gear up, okay? This this like just I was just so moved by this. There is the dream and then there's the dreamer of the dream. The dream is a short-lived play of forms. It is the world, relatively real but not absolutely real. Then there is the dreamer, the absolute reality in which the form comes and goes. The dreamer is not the person. The person is part of the dream. The dreamer is the substratum in which the dream appears, that which makes the dream possible. It is the absolute behind the relative, the timeless behind time, the consciousness in and behind form. The dreamer is conscious itself, who you are. To awaken within the dream is our purpose now. When we are awake within the dream, the ego-created earth drama comes to an end to a more benign and wondrous dream arises. This is the new earth. Okay. I had to reread this. 12 times. Literally. Yeah. And I want to explain it in um, SMTS terms for anyone listening who didn't get it. Think of it this way. You're having a dream at night, okay? You're asleep and you're having a dream. When you're doing that, you're not thinking of having a dream and you're not trying to have a dream. The dream just happens. So when it says the dreamer is not the person, it's not you because it's this other indescribable part of you that has the dream. And that like I had to get that to click and then I literally wrote, I get it. Dreamer, part of the person, something that just is. And so when we think about that as the world, here we are. And we're trying to live this life in the world, but really similar to this dreamer concept, there's this being oneness part of us that while we're awake, we're not allowing to shine through. Yes. What did you say? That was a good I would say that was a very good, you were like, let's explain this. I was like, well, I'm not doing it. <laughs> okay. You did a very good job. Yes. Because I, yeah, because this shit is, I literally had to rewrite it so many times. And this then what, the and then after the 10th time, I was, time, I was like, I get it. crying in the airport. I was just like, it's just like so crazy. I don't know. It's so funny that we both cried. I, I didn't shed a tear over this part. I think I shed a tear at some place in this chapter about like acceptance and recognizing like 
I think the most assuring thing is like, it's all here. Wait, anyway, sorry. You want to talk about dreams. So I want you to keep going. No, the part that had me, I already talked about it. Just when death approaches, we may look back and just think, was it all a dream? Like, it's just like a comforting feeling when you Aubrey just closed her book and slammed it down. I just closed the book. I finished (laughs) a new earth again for the second time, but I made it to chapter seven this time. Um, I don't know. There's something so like soft about, you know, when you wake up from a nightmare Mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh good. Or like you wake up from a dream and you're like, fuck, that was such a good dream. Well, like, are you, I just imagine us after death, just looking back, if you could watch it in a movie and just being like, that was so awesome. All of it. You're on a bit of a different level than me. Am I? I'm going to have to. I want to say I get it, but. Did I just, did I just like awaken too far? <laughs> Should I go back to sleep? S- slow down. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little bit ahead of me. No, I'm kidding. I like get what you're saying, but I'm very scared of death. This gives me solace. It's not, I'm not saying I'm not scared of death. That's like f- terrifying. Yeah. And like, it's just like a nice thought. I think the last. I'm also not at all ready to go now that I've awakened so yeah just gonna go back to sleep now (laughs) (laughs) the last to learn here (laughs) the last thing we should talk about is joy I loved that at the end the joy of being which is the only true happiness cannot come to you through any form possession achievement person or event through anything that happens joy cannot come to you ever It emanates from the formless dimension within you, from consciousness itself, and thus is one with who you are. And then when he was talking about space and he was using like outer space as an example of like, I loved when he said, if you look up at the stars at night and you are not absolutely shook, if you are not speechless, (laughs) you are not looking at them correctly or the totality of what it is. Um, And I think going back to our thing about explaining it's accepting that we will not be able to put to words. And it's when we, qu- when we quiet our minds and we take the deep breaths and we just feel we're doing it, you know? Yeah, it's so true. When he said on 219, what cannot be seen with the eye, but that, that the eye can see. What cannot be heard with the ear, but whereby the ear can hear. What cannot be thought with the mind, but whereby the mind can think. I don't know why I thought because we have like these various senses that that's everything. But he's basically saying there's another sense that can't really be explained. I just thought the space stuff was really powerful. And it's so true. Like, how are we not absolutely freaking rattled by the moon and the sun? How are we not absolutely floored by that? Also, the fact that we just kind of brushed over the fact that, like, there's UFOs confirmed and all of that. Like, come on, you guys. Well, I know there's crazy. There's 100% life on other planets. You just, like, can't deny that with the billions of billions of galaxies and like us being a very small star in a galaxy with billions of stars. Um, just snowflakes, just snowflakes. <laughs> Is that our Halloween costume? Yes. Okay. I'm dressing up like Eckhart Tolle for Halloween. I am. Wait, I'm looking, I love that. <laughs> Sexy Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> I love that. Sexy Ecky. Sexy. Um, Sexy. Uh, okay. I'm honestly a little delirious. Like, I am too. I We need to wrap this up. Yeah. I can't even think. Maybe I would get your concept, but it's just been too long. Maybe when you're editing okay. this. The very last thing, I actually had a question for you because I didn't get it. When he said um, that he saw the two characters and one means man and mean another means no. The two together means Buddha. I'm, I, I think I trailed off after page 39. <laughs> you don't have that. I don't have that in me. Okay. Well, we did good enough. <laughs> Is this going to be a two part episode? No, it's okay. We're going to give it all to them. <laughs> um, Thank you guys. If you're still here. Oh, wow. My brain hurts. My brain hurts. 
Maybe my concept didn't even make sense. Maybe and I'm just delirious. Maybe that's the point is we're supposed to like get to the point of our brains hurt so we don't think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, well, I love you. Delightful. Um, you guys, everybody, we've made it so far. Chapter seven is Yay! done. We only have three, three more. more chapters. Okay. Um, good luck with your reading, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Obs and I are so excited to read the next chapter of A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. We'll be back again next Friday with our recap, so you have plenty of time to read if you want to keep up with us. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at RealPod. So much to say is a part of the RealPod family, so you get everything right there. And you can also follow us individually at Victoria Brown and at Aubrey Gavello. Okay, thank you. Love you. And we'll see you next week.